So we are continuing on. Um, this is a series that actually started before Advent, talking about the fruit of the Spirit, the, those manifestations of the Spirit in our lives, of the Spirit of God, um, that are called the fruit of the Spirit. And now we're looking at those particular manifestations that are also the themes of this season. Um, the hope, the peace, the joy today, the love next week. Um, this season when we are waiting and longing and hoping and anticipating and increasing our expectancy for Christmas and for Emmanuel, specifically God with us, to show up on the scene. And so, so today we focus on the joy of this season and the joy that we have in that reality. So Friday night, um, I was sitting in the recliner in the corner of our living room, and I was working on this sermon, and I kind of like had my, my little setup there. I had my feet like propped up on this little bench in front of our fireplace, and I'm my laptop in my lap, and I'm working, and, and I kind of paused for a minute to, to think about a point, and as I lean back into the chair and, and just kind of, you know, was like, okay, Lord, what are you saying in, in this moment, in this point? And I, I looked up, and my gaze fell on our Christmas tree in the corner across the room. And right in my line of sight was this picture, <laughs> was this scene. And I had to kind of laugh at myself. Um, I don't know if you can see what that says there, but that is this pretty, right, right, that's, yep. So there's this beautiful little, you know, carved ornament that says the joy of Christmas, and it is completely devoid of the thing it is supposed to bear. <laughs> it is empty. There is no photo. It's a stock photo that says photo, and I blame Ava for putting that one <laughs> on the Christmas tree. You know, I'm looking at it. It's such a neat picture. Like, all around it, that thing on the left is actually a backwards Ireland. You know, the, my trip to Ireland and, like, Ava's little fingerprint and our sand dollar and, you know, all these, these fun things that remind me of joy. And then there's that one right in the middle just looking so pathetic. Um, Christmas decorating fail. Oops. But, you know, hopefully what this photo lacks in what it was supposed to communicate will glean some <laughs> from the word this morning um, after the sermon. But yeah, I just had to take a picture of that and share that with you guys because I just thought that was funny. Hopefully my sermon is not as devoid of content <laughs> as, the, as that photo was. Um, the way that we're going to kind of move through this this morning, uh, three main points we're going to dig into um, roughly. Joy because... Why, what's our reason for joy? What's our cause for joy? Where, where do we really find our foundation in joy? Joy despite, which is joy is possible despite all the hardships and the trials and the difficulties of life, and then joy in. How do we really lean into the joy that is available to us? Because even though it's not up to us, we have a, a response. And so we're going to talk about joy because, joy despite, and joy in. Let's just start this morning um, by rereading that passage that we've read so many times during this series out of Galatians 5, uh, where it, we have the fruit of the Spirit described. Um, but today I actually want to read it out of a slightly different translation. Um, you know, I, I think when we read out of the same version too much, it kind of like becomes too familiar to our ears, and maybe um, we, we don't dig as deep and get as rich of a, uh, rich of a meaning. So this morning I'm actually going to read it out of a newer translation called the Passion Translation. And the purpose um, of this translation was to look at the original text and not to, of course, add meaning or anything, but to maybe more explicitly state 
things that maybe weren't as clear or understood or um, outright said in the original text and, and to actually put words to maybe meaning that was just implied or, or not as obvious in the original text. So I'm hoping that reading this in this um, will kind of wake us up a bit to really see this passage with some fresh eyes since we've read it so many times over the past few weeks with the same type of virgi- uh, verbiage. So here we go. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. I like that. And so here's joy right at the beginning of this list, these manifestations of divine love in us through God's Spirit, which means it's a fruit of the Spirit that grows in us as a result of His Spirit and His presence at work. And I think it's really under, uh, important that we understand this point, first and foremost, that joy is born of a work of the Spirit, not your effort to muster it and drum it up. Okay, we need to get that first because we put too much shame and condemnation on ourselves. If we're like, I'm just not feeling joyful. I must not be good enough for doing this right. Joy is a work of the spirit in you through his presence and his indwelling in you. Now, for this reason, I tend to sometimes kind of balk at that choose joy phrase because I think it's become a bit too much of a platitude in our culture. Now, there's nothing wrong with it. We, we, there are things we can do to choose you know, to lean into joy. But I want us to understand that choosing joy is not like walking into a supermarket and choosing Cheerios over Frosted Flakes. Like we don't pick joy off the shelf and leave the sadness and the anger there. That, that's a little t- oversimplified. You understand what I'm saying? Because joy is a work of the Spirit, um, and I don't want us to, to think of it as just I'll pick this one today as if I picked my joy sweater to wear, right? But we can lean into joy. And I'm going to say a bit more about that coming up in the joy in part of this. Um, But I want you to know for now that joy is a deep work of the Spirit of God in you, not a product of your self-effort to make it happen, all right? So why is it then, if joy is this great work of God, why is it that joy can often feel so far away and so fleeting and so hard to access, right? Why does it sometimes in some seasons seem so incredibly hard to come by? Does that question resonate with some of you? Some of you have that experience sometimes. Um, I'll be honest with you. I was not planning on preaching during this series because I just wasn't feeling it. (laughs) I don't know. I just wasn't there. And yet through conversations, I have a, a pastoring coach. Um, Through conversations with my coach, it became very clear to me that the Lord was like, "Mm, yeah, you are, (laughs) and you're going to preach on joy. I actually, like, for the, what are we, like, December 11th? You know, they started Christmas music early this year. Um, It's a total retail strategy, (laughs) but we won't go into that. Um, I, I have only been able to put Christmas music on the radio and tolerate it, like, the end of this week. It's just where I am this season. There's nothing like particularly wrong. I'm just not feeling it. 
But in this, the Lord said to me, you need to dig into this yourself. So you're going to talk about it. And my coach said, great, I look forward to it. And I was like, really? God, all right, seriously? Often the sermons that I preach, I end up preaching because the Spirit tells me, hey, <laughs> you need to work on that. <laughs> Thus my gentleness sermon earlier in the series. <laughs> but he does this, right? Because he wants to meet us in this. Um, and so he, he kind of told me, hey, you, ne- you need to spend some time, you know, meditating on this yourself. So here I am. It's, yeah, it's blame God. <laughs> so why is it then that we find this so fleeting and hard? Well, it might be what Chris said in, in pre-service prayer this morning. It might be that we are conflating the feeling of happiness with joy. And that's a big mistake. Happiness is an emotion, right? It's a good emotion. It's one we enjoy. It's a feeling, though, that does ebb and flow with our circumstances, and that's okay. That's what emotions are for, right? To respond to our world and our circumstances. But counting on that feeling of happiness or a feeling of joy as we, you know, kind of interchange those words will leave us completely empty because it is not guaranteed, We know this, right? Happiness isn't guaranteed. We don't always feel happy and like, (laughs) date myself. You guys remember Ren and Stimpy back in the day? Happy, happy, joy, joy. It's like, that's not what is expected of us. That's not real. That's not reality. But the fruit of joy is unconditional. Happiness is conditional. Joy is unconditional. It is a well, uh, and actually I didn't know Ethan was doing that song this morning. No, wait, is that the same song? Overflow, yeah, that is the one. The well, I suggested that, thanks. Um, (laughs) For some reason, I was thinking that line was in a different song. But joy is this deep well that we pull from that's there. It's like groundwater. It's there, and it's a deep well we pull from, and sometimes we go to it like it's a water fountain in the lobby that we turn on real quick. But joy is a well, not a water fountain. And of course, when we get this right, when we understand that joy isn't just an emotive response to things, joy will affect our feelings. It will affect our emotions. It will affect our happiness and bring that. But that's not what we're going for. Back when uh, Karis was in middle school, and I, I used this example with permission, <laughs> I asked her. Um, you remember you gave me permission this morning. Don't, don't give me that. She's giving me that look. Yeah. Um, back when Karis was in middle school, she had this phrase, you know, middle school's hard, right, for everyone, like, for parents, too. I mean, it's hard to watch your kids go through a really hard season, but she had this phrase that she would use a lot, and it was, I just feel like, and it was about everything, like, any decision she was trying to make, and it's, it's that season where you're trying to wrestle through, how do you, how do you, who are you, you know, how do you come at life, like, what do you think, what do you believe, how do you relate to friends, and she would often come to us and say, well, you know, I just feel like, and uh, for example, um, I was having the hardest time recalling all the different things she said it about, but one of them was one day she came and she's like, mom, I just feel like no one really likes me, you know, and that's a feeling, I think, <laughs> that's, <laughs> you got sympathy, <laughs> you know, but that, I, I mean, I th- we probably all felt that way, right, like, I just, I just feel like so-and-so's mad at me, or I feel like I'm not good enough or I feel like whatever. But in this moment, our, our daughter came to us and she's like, I just feel like no one likes me. You know, and, and we all have those feels. But as her parents, 
we made a point to tell her, well, you know, honey, I'm sorry you feel that way. I know that's a hard feeling. But here, what you need to understand is that sometimes our feelings don't tell us the truth. Sometimes our feelings react in ways that are deceptive. And we have to be careful of them. So what we need to do is we need to take time to look at the reality of the situation. And so we stopped and we talked about all the kids that came to her birthday party and did really special things and made really special picture frames and gave her special gifts and things that were very, she had, she had a thing for elephants, like this huge thing for elephants. And that year, it's like she got all these different elephant things. And it's like, look how much they know you and honor you through this. And so we tried to help her work through that with truth with the reality of the situation, acknowledging her feelings, because our feels are what they are, but there's a truth to be mined, right? So joy in itself is a celebration of truth. It's not a feeling. Joy is truth. It is rooted and anchored in truth. And joy being a celebration of truth actually means you living according to a narrative that those around you might not see and might not believe. And that's the reality of the kingdom life. That the joy you have in living in that truth, remember what Paul said, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. There are others who will not see it. And if they do see it in you or you tell them, they're just not going to believe it. But the reality of living in the truth of joy is living in that reality that's unseen and maybe unbelieved by others. And that can be really challenging. That can be one of the things that steals our joy when we look like fools to everybody else for living this way. But joy will manifest in good feelings and in emotion, but real joy is dependent on Jesus. Not on how we feel, not on who we are, not on who our spouse is, not on if our kids are doing great things and behaving, not on our job. None of those things. Our joy is dependent alone on Jesus and who he is. It comes from believing God's promises. We have to believe God's promises. Believing the gospel and abiding in those truths like that video talked about. Joy is part of the gospel. Do you know that? To receive and accept and say yes to the gospel is to receive joy. They go together. Joy that overflows, joy that is unconditional, joy that is unspeakable, as we sang, and joy that is eternal. Do you know that? Do you know that joy is eternal? Isaiah actually refers to the joy of God, biblical joy, being everlasting. It's one of those things we can, we can harvest that's eternal, that doesn't blow away. So here's the thing, though. You can't have this kind of joy if you don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is, did what the Bible said he did, and will do what he says he will do. That's it. If you don't believe that, you cannot have that kind of joy. It's as simple and straightforward as that. You have to anchor your hope in the reality of who Jesus is. Believe, accept, and live your life on it, on who he is and what he's done and what he will do, because there's more to come, right? He's coming back. And so you have to anchor your hope in that, or your joy is futile. It is an emotion, and it will blow away. It will not stand. 
if you do not believe the nature and the character and the mission of Jesus himself, the best possible outcome for you, for your joy, is that you really, really feel those highs and you really enjoy those emotional feelings and you just hope they're enough to get you through the lows, honestly. Because that type of emotional joy is neither eternal or unconditional if it's not based in the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done. So that's the first thing. All right. Joy because. What is the reason for the hope that we have? You know, the story of Christmas, obviously we're in Advent, is a story of consummate joy. When Jesus was born, it says this. This should be up here from Luke 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They believed that this was true, and they responded in kind, Let's go see. Let's go experience. Because the angel said, I'm giving you something that's going to cause great joy. Not him. He's announcing something that's going to cause great joy. And then in Matthew 2, it says this of the Magi. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Jesus's arrival is good news. Jesus's arrival brings great joy. The coming of Christ in your life, like sitting in here today in ministry time, during the week in your personal time, the coming of Christ in your life brings joy just like it did the night that he was born in a manger. In the same way, with the same power, with the same expectancy, with the same possibility as angels showing up in the sky to announce his arrival, the same power is available when you are in the presence of Jesus today. Do you believe that? Awesome. Then our lives should be full of joy. We have a joy that we can tap into. You know, we can embrace this kind of joy, not as Josh said this last week, not by just focusing on the end itself, on the fruit itself, but by focusing on the joy bringer, on Christ himself, and he is our goal. By pursuing him, he is the source of unconditional joy. We don't focus on the joy. We focus on the joy bringer. Sorry, I'm struggling with my throat this morning. Let's look at John 15 together. This is a little bit longer chunk if you want to turn there. We'll start right in the beginning of the chapter. John 15, 1 through 11. <coughs> it says this. Oops, sorry. 
This is Jesus. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and it withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and so that that joy might be full and complete. We pursue connection with our Creator, with our Savior, because He is the true source, the complete source of true, fulfilling joy, eternal joy. Jesus himself, can you believe that? That he desires, like Jesus actually stated, he wants the joy he has to be in us, but not just to be uh, in us in a taste, but to be complete and full that we have all of it lacking nothing. What an amazing gift. He is our hope, which we talked about two weeks ago. And joy grows in the soil of hope. I actually taught uh, the kids two weeks ago on the first week of Advent, um, and the theme was hope, and we were tracking in there, you know, with the themes that we were talking about here. Um, And what we talked about is that hope is not just wishing that our circumstances will change so that things will get easier and better and we can feel happier. That's not what hope is. Hope is knowing already that Jesus has purchased for us an absolutely unshakable future. That's hope. It can't be undone because he did it and it's permanent. It can't be taken away. And it is in that fertile soil of that kind of hope that the shoots of our joy can spring up. That's what nurtures our joy, is that understanding and believing that. Wishing for different circumstances doesn't do that. But knowing our reality in Christ does, that we have an unshakable future that he purchased with his own blood. And our joy is established not in that, not in changing circumstances, but established in a reality, guys, that we already have. We don't have to strive. It is accomplished. Jesus said it on the cross. It is finished. We have it. It is secure. When Jesus came and lived a sinless life and he paid that debt, our hopeless circumstances changed in that moment before we were ever born. 
because now we can be saved by grace. That is our hope and that we can have joy in. Yeah? Awesome. But. There's always a but. Joy despite. That being said, what great hope we have that our joy can be in. But sometimes I know that we face really hard things, don't we? We face really difficult circumstances. Life can be hard and things can happen to us that we didn't see coming. Things not of our choosing. Things that might make joy seem really far away or really hard to access. You know, we've, Josh and I, our family, we've, we've had those things. We've had those unexpected tragedies, illness, you know, just loss, brokenness of others forced upon you, right? Things that can steal our joy. And during those times, it may seem like joy is hidden, like it's buried under sorrow and sadness and heaviness, that it's out of reach. But scripture actually speaks to this condition. Scripture speaks to the reality of looking for joy in very hard times, in hardships and tragedy and trials. The reality of that joy despite is despite whatever hard or terrible thing has come against you, whatever it is that you struggle through. You know that verse in James 1 uh, where it says that trials, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you experience trials of all kinds because those things test your faith and they produce perseverance. So those trials, those trials are evidence that there is a king on the throne and that his kingdom is in, in battle and engaged in warfare against the things that come against you to steal your joy. The very existence of a trial shows that he is for you and battling for you in his kingdom. That he is alive and active and engaged in confronting the powers and principalities of darkness that seek to steal all the fruit of the Spirit from us and even take our lives. Now, unless you made a dumb life choice and did something stupid and maybe didn't live by wisdom or do things God's way, that's not a trial. That's the consequences of your choices, <laughs> right? Don't do that. Do things God's way. <laughs> That's bad. God's way good, your way bad, right? Your way, consequences of your own actions. God's way, you're still experiencing trials is because there is a war in the heavenlies over you and you're worth fighting for. All right, there you go. You found that humorous. Wake you guys up. Awesome. All right. In the book of Philippians, Paul, this was mentioned in the, in the video, but Paul is writing to that church and he's writing from prison. You know, Roman prisons weren't exactly a spa treatment right? He's in chains. He's, it's dirty. It's cold. It's underground. It's probably lots of rats, lots of other people. Probably didn't smell very good. And yet, here's Paul writing in Philippians, and the book of Philippians talks more about joy than any of the rest of Paul's writings that we have. And yet here he was in a really not joyful kind of situation. Look how even though Paul is in the midst of a hardship, a terrible trial that's not of his doing, it's an unjust system, right? He writes to encourage the church that he planted. Let's read this together. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness, 
be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, ask, like ask, right? We forget to ask sometimes. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't it beautiful how when our focus is Jesus and thanksgiving and gratitude and rejoicing in him, all these fruits kind of come and work together for our good, even in awful circumstances. The joy is there, the peace is there, the gentleness is there, and it leads to thanksgiving. I was listening to a, a teaching by N.T. Wright earlier this week, and he, he made this statement that I just had to kind of pause on for a minute, that as believers, even at a funeral, we've done some hard funerals. Josh's very first funeral was an eight-year-old boy that was in our church. You know, we, we've, we've seen some hard moments. But even in a funeral, as believers and followers of Christ, we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and his victory over death, even in the most difficult of circumstances, even in what feels like the ultimate loss of death. As followers and disciples of Jesus, we can have joy in celebrating knowing that Jesus has conquered in victory over death, that he has abolished it, <laughs> that it has no power over us in our eternity. Because for the disciple of Jesus, death isn't eternal, but joy is. And joy wins. Even in that great loss, there is joy to be found in the truth that death doesn't get the final say. And that's really hard to say when you're staying in an eight-year-old's funeral. But it's true. And it's what our world needs to know. There is everlasting, eternal joy that is available. So joy in. And this is our last chunk. We've already talked about we have joy because of Jesus. We can have joy despite our circumstances. So what are the practical things to lean into that joy? Right? So joy is a fruit of the Spirit. We talked about that. It's, already, it's a work of spirit, the Spirit of God in us. But we do actually have a responsive part. Right? We're not like some like dead fish floating along in this. We have a way to engage and something to do to respond to the work of the Spirit in us producing joy. Joy is not based on self-effort to make it happen, but our choices are going to determine whether or not we harvest and enjoy that fruit or not. I, I think if you hear nothing else today, like this is the point I want you to get. Because this is the one I feel like we're not real great at, okay? We've talked a good bit about this in church, about cultivating joy. Josh mentioned it this morning. Um, we prayed about it this morning. He, he actually got this from the Lord on his sabbatical two years ago, that it's really important for us to cultivate joy in our lives, in our families, in our community. Um, I feel like we've been working on that. That it's really important that, you know, we make sure our lives are fertile soil for joy, that we are making time for it to thrive, that we are tending it and watering it and, and doing all the things we can to nourish joy growing in our lives. But guys, it has to be harvested and enjoyed. <laughs> I think we put a lot of time and effort to growing it and seeing it and like, ooh, pretty joy on the tree. 
but do we pick and eat? Do we enjoy it? Do we take time to engage with the fruit of that cultivation? You know, one of the meanings of rejoice is to take pleasure in something. We're meant to pick the fruit that the Spirit grows in us. We're meant to actually enjoy it in this life. Like really, in this life. We're meant to enjoy that. Even in my, my sermon prep this week, I experienced this. So um, I had a bit of a week, <laughs> y'all. I had, I had some health po- stuff pop up. Um, ended up in the doctor having a, basically like this little outpatient procedure that was not terribly comfortable. And, you know, that put me down a bit. And then I had a follow-up later in the week. Um, just unexpected stuff. You know, I ended up spending like 10 hours one day uh, prepping. We had our church board budget meeting this week, planning for, you know, how we're going to allocate the tithes and the offerings for next week. Woo! Yeah, we're still, we didn't get done. Um, <laughs> we got a little more to go. Woohoo! So I spent like those 10 hours getting ready for the like four hours we spent meeting, you know. Like it, it was just one of those weeks where it was always already really, really full. And the, the health thing I had come up really threw everything off. Um, and I just wasn't feeling that great or whatever. Um, and we also had an area pastors meeting on Friday. So I knew like Friday night was out, you know, like how, how am I going to get all this done? It was one of those weeks where you just feel like, all right, I just got to start prioritizing. Like, how, how do I do this? You know, and everything was fine. I hadn't overbooked myself until I had that curveball, you know, thrown at me. So on Friday night, when I sat down to work on my sermon for just a few minutes after our pastors meeting, I had four lines and they weren't a good four lines. <laughs> They were like, recap of the past two week, four lines, the fluff, right? (laughs) And I'm looking at, I I literally showed Josh, I'm like, I turned my laptop around, I said, this is all I've got. And it's like this big blank page. I did have the joy, I think, despite joy in part, but no content. Um, And then, on top of that, our adventurous, busy little Ava had signed up to be the banner carrier in the Holly Springs Christmas Parade yesterday morning for her school's uh, marching band. Well, no, it wasn't a marching band. It was a marching herd. Um, but the, the seventh and eighth graders were, like, playing the instruments, you know. And so she'd signed up to carry the banner, which meant that somebody had to drop her tail off at 8 a.m. at Subway, okay? So Friday night with my four lines, knowing, and, and you know she wants us to be there. You know she wants, she's carrying the banner. We, she wants us to wave at her, hey, Ava, you know, carrying the banner and all that. And I'm just thinking, Lord, I just don't have it. Yeah. I just don't have, like, I'm, I'm empty. I don't have any more time. There's, I just can't. But Friday night and Saturday morning, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get this done. And I just didn't think it was going to happen. I had so much to do. And Josh was, I looked at Josh Saturday morning and I said, I, I, I don't know what to do. I want to be there, you know, for Ava, but I just have so much on my plate. And I said, can you take her and drop her off? And I'll just see how much I can get done in like the next hour. It probably won't be much. I probably can't make it. Don't expect me but just take her and let's make sure she can do this thing she wants to do. Well, he leaves with her, and I, I, <laughs> I didn't even shower. I sat down in my bed with my laptop. It was just one of those moments of, God help. You know that prayer? God help. Give me what you have for the people that are going to be here Sunday. And he is so good. <laughs> he is so faithful. Because I told him, God, I see this parade I'm, I'm speaking on cultivating joy and harvesting it, God. Like, and here I am sitting in the bed unshowered with my laptop when my family's out at a parade. Like, I see an opportunity to harvest joy in my life. 
and yet I feel like it's out of reach. You guys, I just got like the download in an hour. The Holy Spirit met me and said, here's what I need my people to hear. Write it down. And, and it's, it wasn't of my own effort. It was God's goodness to say, here's what I want you to say. You know, and I, I, I know it's not perfect, you know. But he is so good. Because here's the reality. In three weeks, 98% of y'all are not going to remember 98% of what I've said this morning. But it's a meal for today. And today, what this sermon does is it allows you to respond to something in this message God has for you and encounter the Holy Spirit in a way that you will remember three weeks from now, six months from now, ten years from now. That is the opportunity available to us, that you hear and respond to the word of God in a way that is impactful and lasting in your life. Now, my anecdote there is not theology. That doesn't say, you know, choose the parade and God's going to show up and give you everything you need. But it is my personal experience, it is my testimony that when I lean in to tending and enjoying the good gifts that my good father who gives good gifts and created me and knows me and knows every hair in my head, when I lean into enjoying and saying yes to those gifts, he shows up for me in ways that I never imagined. Instead of when I lean into this false gospel of I have to make this happen or I need to work harder or if I don't say the right thing, somehow the Spirit's not going to show up this morning. It's not on me, it's Him. And He shows up in such good ways and it's on you to respond to what He has for you this morning, right? He blesses me in allowing me to taste of true joy in sampling this everlasting kingdom that can come even in a Holly Springs Christmas parade of waving at my kid as she goes by with her reindeer antlers on, you know, that she was so excited to do. Even in such seemingly mundane things as prepping a sermon. He's so good. I came across this quote this week, and I thought it was very fitting. The next slide says this. Um, Never forget that time passes so quickly you don't even notice until it begins to show. So don't wait to use the good china Go on the trip, eat the cake, watch the late movie, read your favorite book, take a chance in life. The way that we say that in the vineyard is R-I-S-K, right? (laughs) Oops. Take a chance in life. Fix the wall. The time is now. Don't live passively. Live passionately while there's still time because tomorrow is promised to no one. That could have come right out of Ecclesiastes, couldn't it? Live in the Lord's goodness and his gifts today. Um, I don't think, church, that we're often very good at harvesting and enjoying the fruit. I think we put a lot of work into growing the fruit, and then we admire it on the tree. Look at what we've done. But guys, fruit is not meant as a vine decoration. That's not its purpose. It's meant to be harvested and eaten and tasted and turned into juice or wine and consumed for sustenance and enjoyment and community. That's the whole point of all of this. One more passage out of Philippians where Paul expresses the joy that his co-laborers in Christ in the church in Philippi bring him. 
Philippians 1, 3 through 8 says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Y'all realize he's talking to a group of people here? We have a tendency to often individualize this verse, like he will continue what he started in you, he will continue in you. But again, this is Paul talking in Southern. What he started in y'all, he will continue in y'all. It's collective, it's a group, it's his body gathered together for his purpose. Let's not individualize that. Let's remember that community matters. He's writing to a gathering of people gathered in his name. And so verse 7, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains, as he was, or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how long, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Like, he actually likes these people. <laughs> Shocking, huh? Like, look at that. He loves and longs to be with these people because they're people that show him the grace of God, that they partake of the grace of God together. And he co-labors with them and alongside them for the sake of the gospel for others. And thus Paul has joy in these relationships, in this community, in knowing that they pray for him and support him and care for him as well. In knowing that those relationships that he had are founded more on just proximity or things in common or whatever, but they are founded on shared grace in community, that joy can be harvested in the community of God's people. Guys, fruit that isn't harvested, what happens to it? It rots on the vine. If we don't harvest our joy, it rots on the vine. It's no good. It's like the branches that need to be picked up and thrown away. If we aren't intentional about actually enjoying the goodness that the Spirit has for us, all we have is that empty picture frame on my Christmas tree that's not exuding what it's meant to. It's not serving its purpose. purpose. It's not communicating and displaying what it was created to do. It's useless. We have to harvest and enjoy the goodness that God has for us. All righty. In pre-service prayer, we just kind of took a moment. I said, you know, I, I said, I just, I want us to just focus for a minute on the things that God has given that bring us joy. And I think we need to do that in this season. And I think we need to go to the parades. And I think we need to enjoy the people. And I think we need to lower the bar of our own effort, thinking we're going to make it happen and just enjoy the banquet that the Lord has for us. Can we do that? Awesome. Now, if this is a struggle for you, if you lack joy, that, that's real. And it's not a condemning thing, okay? But we need, to, we need to think and talk about that too. So as we wrap up here and, and move into ministry time, Ethan, I'll get you to go ahead and come back up. And you can just take your time. But if, if you struggle with this, if you sense a lack of joy in your life, in your heart, a lack of being able to harvest that fruit, I, d I just want you to ask, to ask you to consider what choices maybe are you making that is causing your joy to spoil on the vine? 
that is stealing your joy. You know what, let's do this. Let's just go ahead and bow our heads for a second and close. Let's just allow the Spirit to come and, and do His thing, to ask us the questions that He needs to ask us. God, thank you for the joy that you give. Thank you that your joy is unconditional, everlasting, eternal, and accessible to us through Jesus. If you're struggling, though, if you have a lack of joy, maybe maybe it could be that you don't really believe the things that we talked about at the beginning, about who Jesus is and what he's done. Or maybe we believe, but we don't spend time with Jesus or focus more on being with him than doing for him. That will steal our joy and our fruit rots on the vine. Is it possible maybe that you're short on presence in your life? Maybe presence with God or presence with others because we're meant for community. Maybe our grumbling outweighs our thanksgiving and our fruit rots on the vine as a result. Maybe our focus is on feeling and emotions and not on our sure hope and our fruit rots on the vine. Maybe we spend a lot of undue time comparing ourselves, our lives, our things, our successes to that of others. And our joy is stolen and it rots on the vine because we don't enjoy what we have. Maybe we're just flat exhausted Maybe we're not caring for ourselves as we should. Maybe we're not taking a regular weekly Sabbath and our fruit rots on the vine because we simply don't have the time or energy to pick and enjoy it. If so, this is your time to confess those things to your Father, to come to Him, to allow him to exchange your stress and your anxiety and your lack for his joy and completeness. Especially if you've never made the decision to place your faith in Jesus at all in the first place. Because that's the first thing. That's the source of our joy. If we skip that step, we'll never be there. We can't reap the fruit of the Spirit without the Spirit and the life of the Spirit. So the first thing is to say yes and to place our faith in Jesus, to follow him as his disciples. Let's stand together just in a, keeping in a, a, a posture of prayer and listening. Some of you maybe who were in pre-service prayer this morning and had a moment to, to ponder joy yourself and um, you, you don't think maybe that you need prayer. If you want to just, a couple of you guys just want to come up and be ready um, because I think a number of us might need to get prayer this morning for joy because we're feeling depleted. 
and we're having a hard time accessing what the Lord has for us. If you need to say yes to Jesus for the first time, I want you to to do that and say, yes, Lord, I submit to you. I place my faith in you. Forgive me and save me. But I want you to come and say those words to someone. We've got a couple more leaders, maybe two more that can come up. We want at least two people to pray for every person if we can. So if, if that's something you need to do, but I'm going to, I have a feeling that a number of us need to respond to these questions in ministry time. Um, and, and, and just standing together is going to help us get over that hurdle a bit. So if you're struggling with the joy despite, this is your time. Don't leave without learning to lean in, with, without using the community of saints that you've been provided to pray with you and minister to you and bless you to tap into that well of joy that is available to us. Lean in. In this moment, make that choice to lean in so that the rest of your Christmas season can be filled with true joy. Don't waste another day. Holy Spirit, come. I pray that you would show everyone in this room what their response is to the presence of your Spirit here this morning. Because, Lord, I know if they just walk out the door, they're walking out with very little in their back pocket because this sermon's not worth remembering in three weeks. It's just words. But Lord, what you do through it and the way that you encounter us this morning in it is what will make everlasting change possible. It's what will course correct our trajectory more towards you. So Lord, I pray for responsiveness and willingness this morning to respond to you, to receive the things from you that we so desperately need I pray that no one who needs this would walk out this morning without getting it. Lean in. I'm going to go ahead and just pray a blessing over you. Ethan will close us out with one last worship song. So if you want to come get prayer, if you want to stay in worship for this one last song, but you're free to go and get your kids and enjoy your week um, after this. But please don't leave with just the sermon in your pocket. Leave with an encounter with the Spirit of God that can infuse you with joy and show you how to access it. So thank you, Lord, for all that you have shown and done and revealed this morning for the way that you are working and speaking to hearts. Lord, I pray for boldness and responsiveness in Jesus' name. Come, Lord, have your way. We look for you, Emmanuel, God with us. In Jesus' name.